Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. But I must confess, I don't know all that much about watercress. It grows wild across the country and is a very popular salad in Britain. Today, I'll be joined by James Harper from the Watercress Company to discuss how you grow it and how good it is for you. My thanks to Mr Fothergill Seeds, sponsor of this podcast. I usually start this programme with uh, a reference to the weather. And uh, at lunchtime last Saturday, the bank holiday Saturday, we had a hailstorm which took the top out of my neighbour's chestnut tree. Just the kind of weather you want, don't you, for a gardening weekend? <laughs> Fortunately, on Sunday and Monday, it improved a bit. And then we had all the excitement about the royal birth. It's been suggested in amateur gardening that if you want to uh, acknowledge that birth in your garden, then you should think about planting Gypsophila baby's breath or Dahlia new baby or Narcissus new baby. Maybe a strange coincidence, but the sweet pea, our Harry, broke into bloom in my polytunnel last weekend, along with winter. So uh, whether there's uh, anything in that coincidence, I'll leave you to decide. Sales to gardeners remain very strong, with uh, records broken in every direction over the Easter weekend. Has been suggested uh, by Trevor Pfeiffer that uh, we are so fed up with Brexit that we're all going out into the garden to escape. Uh, well, we certainly need to escape some of that political uh, infighting. I always watch the potting compost sales as the best barometer uh, uh, to see you know, what gardeners are doing across the land, and particularly when uh, housing is getting so much denser uh, and the area to grow things is being reduced. People switch to containers, uh, and then, of course, they need potting compost. Uh, and as you watch the sales, you'll know how active they are. I mean, the leading brand, Levington Multipurpose Compost with a bit of J.I., uh, was up 100% last week with uh, Jack's Magic following it as number two. Uh, that, that was in the GTN Top 50 Growing Media Sales chart. Interesting, isn't it, that the TV programmes and many gardening columns exclusively recommend peat-free compost, yet there are only three in the top 50 when it comes to sales from garden centres. Uh, if you're interested in uh, the most popular, well then in last week's charts, New Horizon uh, stood at number 33 in the top 50 media sales. There's a lot of discussion too in the trade about the black plastic pots that we use for container plants and some 80% of the trade have said in a, a recent survey that they will switch to uh, an alternative 
once it becomes uh, sensibly available, although 60% uh, were unsure about the brownish torp pot that's being introduced. I'm uneasy too about that torp pot. I want to see uh, how it stands up to strong sunlight when I reuse it. I mean, black pots that come into my garden don't go out again, well, literally for many years. You know, they're just used, washed, used again, washed, used again. There is a suggestion that we have a a pot deposit scheme, almost like um, money back when you buy a soft drink in a bottle and get money back on the bottle. It'd be interesting to see uh, whether they can make that work or not. But back home with a a bit of standard advice, it is worth looking at houseplants. You know, now we're into May, days are longer, temperatures are warmer. All plants, and especially those indoors, are speeding up with their growth. And so it's a very good time if you've got plants with pots full of root just to pot them on. Uh, Often you'll read pot them on into a one size larger pot. Yeah, if you try and do that, you'll find you can't get your fingers between the ball of root and the compost. Uh, It's much more practical to go up two sizes of pot, and then you can actually uh, handle it. So if you've got things like Sansevieria with the pots absolutely full of root, well, now's a good time to pot on, or you could uh, split them. Tremendous lot of uh, summer flowering bedding plants are being sold, And there's one or two uh, words of advice. There are some which are quite hardy, the antirrhinums, the snapdragons. Uh, But if you're buying those, have a look very closely at the label because they can vary considerably in height. I'm not a great enthusiast for the very dwarf ones. I like about uh, 15 to 18 centimetre height. The uh, cultivars that will give you that height have got some energy Uh, and will make really good plants in uh, flowering borders. Uh, But even better, you can cut one or two stems and take them indoors. Andorinas make very good cut flowers. Oh, and uh, if uh, you're buying African marigolds, a bit early, I would wait another week or two, I think. And those are much better bought in the green. People like to buy flowers, I know. But when it comes to the African marigold, those big yellow ones... Uh, they'll perform much better if you buy them as green plants and get them established in the in the garden before flowers come. And, and with the uh, African and French marigolds, watch out for slugs. Boy, they like them. And if the, the uh, weather's just a little bit moist, they'll strip the leaves off young plantings uh, overnight. All bedding plants, when it comes in cells and small pots, it's worth giving that a dilute liquid feed before you plant. That means the root system has really got something to pull on and give it strength to grow out into the garden soil. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My guest today for interview is James Harper. He's the commercial manager of the Watercrest Company. And quite honestly, uh, apart from eating it quite regularly in my sandwiches, uh, James, I don't know very much about watercress. Now, where are you? How do you grow it? And is it very easy to grow? Hello, Peter. Thanks for having me on. It is a very specialist crop. Um, when I do regular sort of gardening uh, club talks and horticulture society talks, I always get various questions about growing watercress. Um, so it is, it is possible to grow at home. We'll talk a little bit about that. But we are basically um, down in, in Dorset in Hampshire. Now, if you went back about 100 years ago, watercress would be found all over the country. Um, but really, as, uh, as the, the, the areas become more concentrated in, in the south now because of the quality of the spring water. So um, we have five farms in Dorset and another, another five in Hampshire. Yes, so you spread over two counties. We do, yeah. We've got a foot in both. And it's because of the mineral-rich spring water in both. So when it rains in these counties, um, the chalk that we have in the soil acts basically as a sort of giant filter. And the water slowly permeates through this chalk, enters what's called an underground aquifer, which is a confined aquifer. So it's a large body of water that's under pressure. And you have these faults in the rock where the water naturally bubbles up, millions and millions of of very high-quality water. In fact, it's so clean you can drink it at source. And it's these locations is where we have our farms based for for watercress production i seem to remember that uh, when i was at college at Rittle, in the ditch running round the uh, front border there was watercress which uh, the village people used to cut but i presume sort of health worries will stop that now i mean it's always been it's been as i said all around the country but um you know various and questionable um, sources of water has has made the locations now really these these sort of very very pure and very very clean areas uh, down in the south of england um, you can, I mean, you can still find wild watercress. You can find commercially uh, escaped wild watercress over the uh, commercial watercress over the um, that's escaped over the years and all around the country. Um, but we always say the old adage with watercress: unless you drink the water that it's grown in, um, I wouldn't eat it. You know, I wouldn't eat it without cooking. And when I do club talks, as I said, we always get somebody who very proudly tells me that he grows this fantastic. It's normally a man, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I produce this fantastic crop of. Um, watercress in my pond at home and you think well unless you'd be happy drinking your, your pond water it's probably safer to uh, to cook the watercress very well before you use it a, a very useful tip i must try and remember that <laughs> if you'll drink the water then there's Absolutely. a fair chance you could eat the, the water production that we have because the water is so clean i mean it's it, it's you know it's like a sort of volvic or an evian of the south it's very very high quality uh, spring water in fact it's so clean they used to bottle it and, and sell it the growers in the 80s uh, as mineral water and we have a grower that uh, a producer of gin who's moved into one of our farms and he uses the high quality spring water um, for his gin. So because of the, we're, we're blessed with this, this abundance of spring water, which is naturally very high in minerals, um, and the farms are fully fenced and it's a one-way flow. So basically it comes from the ground. We just borrow and divert it through the beds and then it enters the watercourse one way. Um, it's a very, very safe production. So we always say the best way to have it is to eat it fresh. Uh, and you mentioned beds. So can we go into mm. how you actually grow it i mean it's a an agricultural crop is it yes yeah absolutely i mean we it's it's quite a large area these are these are some of the the beds in 
Dorset and Hampshire are traditional watercress beds that we've uh, modernised, we've opened them up, uh, but the, the principle is exactly the same as it was done, you know, hundreds of years ago. In fact, the earliest production was in Kent in 1805, and it's sort of, it's moved its way over to Dorset and Hampshire as, uh, as well, basically, as, as, you know, London has expanded, it's sort of pushed watercress further and further along. But we use gravel beds, uh, and the, re- the reason we use gravel is because it's a very clean method of production it's inert it doesn't hold anything uh, and unlike soil if you were to produce as, as gardeners know who listen to this program if you were to just grow a, a brassic or a cruciferous vegetables broccoli or kale again and again and again without any rotation in your garden that the ground's going to get you know full of you know, it's going to get full of club root it's going to get sick you have to have rotation whereas watercress has been hundreds of years in the same beds exactly you know it's monocropping basically with no rotation and the reason for that is because of the the um, the high quality spring water and the the gravel acting as a medium so it's um, it's no need to rotate and so is watercress then a brassica it is it's a cruciferous vegetable so it's part of the same family yeah and yeah. it's identified if you look at some you know sometimes during the summer you might see um in the odd bag of watercress you might see a little uh, white flower and it's like all cruciferous vegetables so kale cabbage rocket uh, oilseed rape you have these little beautiful cross-shaped flowers cruciferous hence the cross shape um, and they're perfectly edible. It's not, you know, unlike lettuce or, or spinach or another crop that, that bolts and goes to, to flower. You can eat these watercress flowers. Um, they're, they're beautifully sort of delicately peppery and they don't mean the crop has sort of gone over. It's just the natural, um, it's the natural flowering period of the plant during the summer. Um, but even in Victorian times when they were growing it, uh, that people associated flowering crop with, with something past its best. So actually those days it used to be um, a winter vegetable. It was farmed all the way through the winter. Uh, and then come the spring, this sort of time of year, they would actually shut the farms down and they'd, they'd, they'd start again in the autumn. And that was because they couldn't stop it going to flower. Now, we've completely flipped the industry on its head. And now everybody thinks of watercress, it's synonymous with the summer. And that's because we, we produce a seed crop. So we have um, one crop that we grow from seed. We clear the beds out completely and then we start again with a seedling crop. Um, we do this until we get to, you know, sort of late July, early August, about around about the equinox when the days start to, to shorten and the nights lengthen out. And then we move to what we call a regrowth. So it's a little bit like mowing a lawn. We, we cut the crop, it regrows and we get several cuts that way when the flowering response has naturally left the plant. But it's absolutely fine if you, you know, if your watercress at home does start to go to flower, there's nothing wrong with it. It, it looks beautiful. And, and ironically, now we have more chefs contacting us trying to ask us to grow edible flowers. Um, when they've got these beautiful little peppery watercress flowers available. So what's been around comes around, eh? Absolutely. (laughs) But could you just take me step by step? So in the spring... Uh, you you sow seed where well we started off years ago we used to sow seed into big polytunnels so we would use a a, a mat of peat on the the base of a polytunnel this was sort of january february we'd put the seed directly onto the peat um, and it looked beautiful you have these little sort of carpet mats of uh, of watercress seedlings all tucked up in the in the uh, in the polytunnel uh, it looked at that stage like mustard and cress, obviously a different plant, but it's a sort of generic brassica sprout. You would then take these clumps of watercress and they were hand broadcast, so they were literally thrown into the beds. Now, a few years ago, we moved uh, completely away from this production, so we, we don't use any peat in the business. Um, it's you know, environmentally, you know, we were, we were heating polytunnels in January and using peat, and it, you have a, a high loss rate as well, because when you hand broadcast anything, some, some of it lands the right way up, some goes on its side, some goes upside down, so the, the loss was considerable. But now we actually we precision drill, so we plant the, the seed directly into the bed. Um, we use a little substance just to hold it in place, and then once it actually puts a root down, 
and starts to properly take, um, then you know it's away and the, the water we just increase the water levels and it starts off and that's what we call a seedling crop so basically we start off with a seed diet into the bed one crop cut it clear the bed back wash out the gravel regrade the gravel start again um and then later on in the year we move into the regrowth crop so we cut it it uh, you know recovers a little bit then we, we tip or top depends if you're dorset or hampshire <laughs> so we flail it back down again uh, to keep it nice and level nice level stubble and then you, you let it regrow and you can get four or five cuts back from that. So if you like really peppery watercress, it's a good time to have it sort of the end of the summer. It's actually hotter, is that what you guess? Yeah, it, it, it's one of those, it's an interesting plant. It can be hotter at certain times of the day. It can be hotter um, certain lengths if you let it grow on a bit. But then I've had some, you know, ridiculously peppery seedlings. Um, so, you know, very, very small baby watercress that can be hot. So it's, there are a lot of elements that, that um, control the, the heat within the plant. But I think it's a bit of holiday wine syndrome. You know, when you, you get a bottle that you try over overseas and you, you bring it back and you, you're always a little bit disappointed because you're not sat on a sun-kissed terrace somewhere. <laughs> um, well, the same with watercress. We still get people that regularly say, oh, it's not as hot as I remember. It's not as peppery as I remember. And I think uh, it's a couple of factors. I think taste, taste buds change as you grow old, uh, you know, grow older through life. But also, I think people don't Eat, they don't appreciate their food you know there is this the slow food movement that says you should really take some time with your food rather than just you know eat it as fat you know, fast food and not really appreciate it and with watercress we always tell people to chew it as much as possible because when you slowly chew the watercress what's happening is you you're blitzing the cells of the plant and you're mixing um, two compounds and that's what delivers the peppery isothiocyanates this peppery plant taste so if you don't think your watercress is very peppery just just chew it for a little bit longer just ruminate and sort of chew it over and it'll get pepperier and pepperier and this is why it's so good in in um, in uh, other you know in smoothies or uh, other applications goodness you're giving us some information you know <laughs> it's like every crop or plant you know once you really get to a specialist yeah. it's amazing the detail yeah it is i mean i, I think watercress is quite i mean it's so uniquely british and so many people know about watercress or or sort of got memories of watercress um, and it falls in and out of fashion it, we're seeing a real resurgence at the moment in terms of sales and, and demand but everybody knows you know elements of watercress there's a, a bit of confusion still out there between um, mustard cress and you know, garden cress and watercress but uh, but yeah to 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 grow it on a large scale is, is quite a complex uh, niche operation, uh, but it's perfectly doable to, to grow in the garden. It's, um, you know, it's quite a fun crop to grow at home. Well, before we get into that, you've spoken about harvesting it from now on a seed-grown crop and then the uh, cut again into the autumn. What happens during the winter? Ah, well, since about the 80s, uh, we invested in um, a farm in Spain and a farm in America actually believe it or not and we bring all of that watercress over to the UK so right the way through the year we we uh, we produce watercress and this is a we're still an independent British company British owned and run um, but for that year-round supply and for that critical mass of watercress and to feed the country you have to have this uh, this this um, these overseas farms so we've got um, a series of farms about 19 hectares of farms in, uh, in southern Spain which is near Jerez which is famous for the sherry. And the reason we went over there in the 80s was because, again, it, it's, a, it's blessed with an abundance of water. So although it's down in the, the, the southern tip of, um, of Spain, you, there's a mountainous region that catches, the, um, that catches the cloud. It's very high rainfall, so the quality of the water is excellent over there. Uh, and in fact, the village over the road from this farm is, is actually one of the wettest in, uh, in Spain. 
So that's been farming since the 80s. And then in the 90s, we bought a farm in America. Again, because of the abundance of uh, spring water, it gave us a bit of a geographical edge as well, because if you have you know, freezing cold weather in, in Europe, we were normally okay in, uh, in America. Uh, and that all comes over. So we don't, that all comes over for the UK market. So we don't fly cargo planes. That's coming over in the, with the, basically from Orlando with the people coming back from Walt Disney uh, World. <laughs> it's in the, uh, it's in the, the hold there. Uh, and that gets very, very quickly to the supermarkets uh, to allow watercress to be, to be available year round. Because in January, you know, everybody's overdone it at Christmas and the, the excesses of, uh, of uh, indulgence. And then come January, the focus is on fitness and health and our watercress sales boom so it's, it's important <laughs> to have that critical mass it's a nil win but do the americans eat it i mean i was in california yeah, they recently they, they do it's starting yeah. to become more um, uh, more popular over there and there's a uh, quite a there's a sort of oprah winfrey of medicine called um, dr oz who's uh, a big fan of watercress is making it very popular but nothing like the brits i mean you know we eat uh, probably 10 times that of the nearest nation which is france in terms of con- consumption i mean it's you know it's, it's a uniquely british crop and because of our history and heritage i think so yeah, well, now I eat it fresh as a salad, mm. particularly in sandwiches. I, you know, I, I think with uh, just a, a hint of bovril and uh, brown bread, watercress makes a pretty good sandwich. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. uh, but you mentioned smoothies. I mean, well, and, and you've talked about chefs, so. Uh, yeah, well, we're running something at the moment, which is, uh, I don't know, anybody's on social media, um, hashtag watercress challenge. And we're doing this with the AHDB, the Agricultural Horticultural Development Board. So basically, they're helping us um, market the crop uh, to chefs, foodies, people at home, you know, anybody really interested in using watercress in, in interesting and in unusual, perhaps completely brand new recipes. So predominantly, it is, it absolutely is. You said the best way to eat watercress and the best way to eat any vegetable is to have it fresh and have it raw um, and unlike other cruciferous vegetables of kale um, broccoli cauliflower that you tend to cook um, you know and a lot of the nutrients are then lost when you do cook watercress really you want to have as raw as, as fresh as possible to get the maximum nutritional benefit um, but yeah it's fantastic it's really good as a, as a sort of hero ingredient in, uh, in a range of dishes so we're working with a number of chefs who are, who are being very creative and telling us you know interesting ways to use it but a really fun way that we found is, is in a smoothie because not only is it um, as I said when you when you chew the watercress you break down the plant cells and get the pepperiness and the, the flavor and the benefits and these these peppery isothiocyanates but also um, and I've got very young kids to get my kids to eat fresh fruit and vegetables is a challenge um, but as soon as soon as I put it into a smoothie fantastic it's sold and I actually make these smoothies up and then freeze them into little ice lollies as well so it's quite fun and, and, and we've been working with the Prince of Wales school in Dorchester um, making some smoothies which you can view online there's a, a fun little smoothie video but uh, it's just a good way to sort of get kids to eat veg and, and, and then, how, but how do you do it James I mean do you just put the watercress into a liquidizer well absolutely you can do it any recipe that would use uh, spinach or kale you can just submit and a swap and um, and put watercress in but i mean we've come up with quite a nice recipe which is pineapple juiced a bit of frozen mango uh, watercress and you know spinach if you've got it and it, it's just this lovely fresh vibrant green smoothie but um, but yeah the best way to, to do it really is experiment and just, uh, just play well, around it. well except i like that pineapple juice thought so where do we pick up this recipe <laughs> well it's on if you go to watercress.co.uk there's um, a, a range of smoothie recipes and that's probably the, uh, the the best source of. Uh, but then you know, just try any any sort of green smoothie or any fruit smoothie. Um, just try putting some watercress in there. Yeah. Well, just finally, 
by absolute coincidence, several weeks ago, um, I thought it'd be quite a nice idea to get kids at schools to grow watercress. Mm. And, and I've just started in recycled grape punnets uh, to get them to grow it on the school windowsill. I mean, I'm Fantastic not, not going to poison them or anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Well, this is people always want to grow it at home. And, and I've had over the years so many people come with elaborate water features and sort of tiered designs and, you know, litres and litres of water and recirculation. And you don't need any of that, really, to do it at home and to do it with the kids. Uh, and, and that's fantastic to recycle something. So all these fruit punnets that are, are sent to landfill to actually use these and recycle them is a fantastic thing to do. Um, and, and safely do it at home. The best method is, is just a bit of damp compost. So it doesn't have to be you know, a, a, a sort of water feature. It doesn't have to be swimming in water. You just need to keep your, damp, your, your compost nice and moist um, on a windowsill. Thinly, very, very thinly scatter seed on the top. Um, within about four to five weeks, you'll have a nice crop of watercress. But if you can't get watercress seed or you don't, you know, you want to try another way, you can actually grow it from the bags that you get in the supermarket. I'm afraid, I'm afraid that's the way I did, the shortcut. Yes, it, yeah, and it, it works very well. <laughs> it works very, very well. You, you put them in but, a glass of water, they've got roots in five absolutely. days. Which yeah, but you, could also, you can yeah. also plant those as well as in the water, you can plant it straight into compost. But uh, I've seen it done, people put too much of a sprig in. You want to actually break it down a little bit, like any sort of cutting. You only really need the, the node, you need, you know, just yeah. a strike um, from a small amount of stem. But it's amazing what watercress will come back from. James, I hope we can work together in the future to see if we can't get a few more children at school. That would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be really good. But thank you very much. Fascinating uh, hearing behind the scenes in your production. Thanks for having me. What's on? Well, we've got the Malvern Flower Show, 9th to the 12th of May. And, of course, there is the Rose Society competition there. I have one or two roses showing a bit of colour in my polytunnel, so I hope that there are enough members of the Rose Society with some really nice bloom uh, to make a good show at Malvern. On the 12th of May, it's Celebrate Garden Day, when it's suggested that we actually invite people into our garden. Now, I'm 100% behind that. You know there are two pleasures with uh, growing plants. First, the satisfaction growing them well, and then, of course, sharing the results. And so a garden share day sounds like a very good idea to me, and you can get all the details on the website gardenday.co.uk. And my thought for the day, experience is a good teacher, but she sends in terrific bills. My thanks to Mr Fothergill Seeds, sponsor of this podcast. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 